Section 28 of Stupor Mundi, The Life and Times of Frederick II by Lionel Alshorn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 14, The Council of Lyon, Part 2. Such an answer could do his cause no good. The pride of many was ruffled by his refusal to recognize the authority of the council, and his enemies were emboldened to say aloud that his absence was proof of his guilt. At the next session, on July 17th, accusations poured in against him, for there were many of the prelates who had suffered imprisonment at his hands, and not a few others were his bitter foes. The Bishop of Catana denounced him as a heretic, an epicurean, an atheist, an oppressor of the church. I can no longer keep silence, cried Thaddeus, bold as a lion in his defense of his absent lord. You are unworthy of belief. You are the son of a traitor legally convicted and hung by the emperor, and you tread in your father's footsteps. The bishop was silenced, but others arose to confront the dauntless envoy. The sacrilegious capture of Gregory's council, in which some prelates had lost their lives in the fury of the naval engagement, was the emperor's worst crime in the eyes of the assembly. My lord, said Thaddeus, is truly sorry for that affair, which happened by chance and contrary to his intentions. Had he been present at the battle, no prelates or churchmen should have suffered bodily harm, but in a sudden and fierce engagement by sea, his servants could not discriminate between the innocent and the guilty. Why did he not allow the innocent to depart free after the seizure and retain only the others, demanded the Pope. It must be remembered, answered Thaddeus, that Pope Gregory called to Rome the open enemies of the empire, such as the Count of Provence and the men of Milan. This was not to promote peace, but to stir up sedition. Thereupon my lord the emperor sent letters to England as well as to other countries, begging the prelates in a friendly way not to come to such a treacherous council, warning them beforehand that if they did come with the enemies of himself and the empire they would be attacked, he also refused them safe transit through his dominions and civilly forewarned them of the impending danger. God delivered them into the hands of my master, he continued haughtily. God took away the strength of the rebels and of them who had despised the emperor and showed by his abandonment that their imprisonment was just. Yet angered as he was, he remembered mercy, and softened by the counsels of his faithful advisers, wished to dismiss those prelates and other unwarlike persons in peace, when, lo, the bishop of Prineste and some other saucy prelates, heaping threat upon threat, although prisoners, hesitated not to excommunicate the emperor before his face, heedless of that salutary counsel, humble yourselves to the hand of power. Thus from being rebels they became ridiculous and even imbecile, and from being friends, enemies, and deserved imprisonment. Your lord the emperor, said Innocent, ought to have been convinced, unless he distrusted his own cause, that such a large assembly of such good men would rather have released than bound him if he deserved to be released. But from his proceedings it plainly appears that his conscience gnawed him, and the offence of which he was guilty wounded him. What then could my lord hope from such a council, Thaddeus replied, in which presided his greatest enemy Pope Gregory, or from judges 
who even from their prison breathed forth nothing but menace. If one has broken out into violence, was Innocent's answer, all should not have been treated with this indignity. Nothing remains but ignominiously to depose a man laden with such manifold offences. The English envoys protested in vain that the emperor's children should not be disinherited for their father's sins. Thaddeus saw that all hope was gone, yet he would not tamely accept his defeat. I appeal from this council, from which there are absent so many great prelates and secular princes, to a general and impartial council. I appeal from this pope, the declared enemy of my lord, to a future more gentle, more Christian pope. Innocent disdainfully swept the appeal aside. This general council of the many patriarchs, archbishops, bishops, and other nobles from various parts of the world, who have all been waiting for your lord the emperor to humble himself, is fully satisfied. Those who are absent are prevented from attending by becoming ensnared in the toils laid by your master. Therefore it is not proper for the sentence of deposition to be any longer delayed, lest he should profit by his malice. And now, he taunted, let your lord come. Aye, my lord will come, cried Thaddeus. The day of his deposition, if that be decreed, may be called that day of wrath, that day of tribulation, that day of calamity and misery, a day too great and too bitter. One prelate alone, the German Berthold, patriarch of Aquileia, raised his voice against the impending sentence. Remember, he said, that the pillars which uphold the world are two, the one the Pope, the other the Emperor. Either hold your tongue, answered Innocent savagely, or I will take away your ring." He would hear no more words in defense of the emperor. He would not condescend to consult the council to invite the votes of the prelates and envoys. They were there merely to lend solemnity to the sentence which he should pronounce. That sentence was already inscribed on parchment, drawn up and decided before the imperial ambassador had completed his defense, no doubt before ever the council had assembled. Without further deliberation, he proceeded to issue his irrevocable decree. It was prefaced by a long recapitulation of the culprit's sins, in which there was some little truth, much exaggeration, and more deliberate falsehood. He first enlarged upon the emperor's persistent refusal to make peace and his constant violation of his oaths. Wherefore, as we are neither willing nor able without serious offense to Jesus Christ, any longer to tolerate his iniquities and offenses, we are in conscience compelled to proceed against him. To be silent for the present on his other crimes and iniquities, he has committed four most heavy offenses which cannot be excused by any palliation. He has rashly broken his oaths between the church and the empire. He has been guilty of sacrilege in causing the capture of the cardinals of the Holy Roman Church, the prelates and clerks of other churches, religious men and seculars, who were coming to the council which our predecessor had thought proper to convoke. He is also suspected of heresy, not on dubious and light grounds, but by evident proofs, and that he has committed many acts of perjury is sufficiently clear, for when formerly he was staying in Sicily, before he was elected to the imperial dignity, 
he in the presence of the legate of the apostolic see gave an oath of allegiance to our predecessor the pope innocent the third of happy memory and to his successors and also to the church of rome in consideration of the cession of the kingdom of sicily to him by the said church and as is reported he after he had been elected to the said dignity renewed that oath before the said innocent and his cardinals and did legal homage to the said pope with uplifted hands after this when he was in germany he in the presence of the princes and nobles of the empire made oath to the said pope innocent and after his decease to pope honorius and to his successors to preserve and protect as far as lay in his power the honours rights and possessions of the roman church but of these oaths he has proved himself the daring and dangerous violator thus incurring the stain of treachery and the charge of treason for he sent to the cardinals letters containing threats against our predecessor gregory and presumed to defame him and slander him in manifold ways throughout the world he has also ordered the persons of our venerable brother otto bishop of porto and the bishop of praeneste the legates of the apostolic see and high members of the roman church to be seized on imprisoned and themselves deprived of all their goods he has moreover endeavoured with all his power to diminish or to deprive the church altogether of the privilege which our lord jesus christ granted to st peter and to his successors namely that whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall also be loosed in heaven in which privilege rests the power and authority of the roman church and writing word that he did not regard the sentence of excommunication pronounced against him by pope gregory he despising the keys of the church not only did not observe it himself but also by means of his officials compelled others to disregard that sentence and the sentence of interdict which he himself altogether despised the possessions also of the roman church namely the march and the duchy of benevento and other possessions which he held in parts of tuscany and lombardy and some other places with a few exceptions he dared to occupy and still holds them and as if that was not sufficient he either by himself or by his officials compelled the inhabitants of those possessions to take an oath absolved them although he had no right to do so from the oath of fealty by which they were bound to the roman church and after making them abjure the said oath of fealty he compelled them to make oaths of allegiance to himself touching the evil he has wrought to the church in his kingdom there are eleven archiepiscopal sees and a great many episcopal sees as well as abbacies and other churches at present vacant in the aforesaid kingdom and through his means they have been for a long time destitute of the management of prelates to the great injury of the churches themselves and to the peril of many souls he has not only caused the substance and goods of the churches of the said kingdom to be taken possession of at his pleasure but has carried off the crosses chalices and other holy treasures belonging to them as if a despiser of the divine worship clerks are oppressed in manifold ways by collections and talliages and not only are they dragged before a secular tribunal but even as it is reported they are compelled to undergo the ordeal of single combat they are imprisoned slain and tortured on gibbets 
to the confusion and disgrace of the whole clerical order. That he has been guilty of sacrilege is certain, for when the aforesaid bishops of Porto and Praeneste, and several prelates and clerks of the churches, were coming by water to the apostolic see for the purpose of attending the council, which he, the emperor, had asked to be convoked, all the roads of his territory were altogether stopped by his command, and having sent his son Enzo with a number of galleys in order to vent his anger upon them, he dared to lay his sacrilegious hands upon them, some of the prelates and other persons being drowned, some slain, and the others put to flight. The others were ignominiously imprisoned in the kingdom of Sicily, and some of them, worn away by sickness and oppressed by want, have fallen away to a wretched condition. With good cause, moreover, has a suspicion of heresy arisen against him, for after he had incurred the sentence of excommunication, he despised and still despises the keys of the church, causing divine service to be performed, or rather profaned before him. Besides, he is united by a detestable alliance with the Saracens, he embraces their customs, notoriously keeping them with him in his daily service, and after their fashion, he shamelessly appoints as guards over his wives, whom he has received from the descendants of a royal race, certain eunuchs, especially those whom he has lately caused to be castrated, and what is a more execrable offense, he, when formerly in Palestine, made a kind of agreement or collusion with the sultan, and allowed the name of Mohammed to be publicly proclaimed in the temple of the Lord day and night. He also, in opposition to the Christians, abuses the pernicious and horrid rites of other infidels, and entering into an alliance of friendship with those who wickedly pay little respect to the apostolic see, and have seceded from the unity of the church, he caused, as is positively asserted, the Duke of Bavaria of illustrious memory to be murdered by assassins. He has also given a daughter in marriage to Vaticus, the schismatic of Constantinople, who was solemnly expelled from the communion of Christians by excommunication. Rejecting the proceedings and customs of Catholic princes, neglecting his own salvation and the purity of his fame, he does not employ himself in works of piety. And what is more, he does not trouble to relieve those oppressed by injuries by extending his hand to bestow alms, although he has eagerly aimed at the destruction of the churches and has crushed ecclesiastical persons with the burden and persecution of his yoke, and it is not discovered that he has ever built or founded either churches, monasteries, hospitals, or other pious places. Now these, then, are not light but convincing grounds for suspicions of heresy being entertained against him. Besides this, the kingdom of Sicily, which is the spiritual patrimony of St. Peter, and which he holds in fee from the apostolic see, has been reduced by him to wretchedness and slavery. He has also omitted to pay the annual tribute of a thousand sequins, in which he is bound to the Roman church for the tenure of the said kingdom. The Pope rose from his throne, his cardinals rose around him, each bore in his hand a lighted torch, wherewith to perform the last impressive rites of the portentous scene. In solemn, measured utterance, Innocent proceeded to strip the emperor of all his earthly pomp. We therefore, 
having maturely and carefully deliberated with our brother cardinals and the holy council on the above-named and other nefarious deeds of his seeing that we unworthy as we are hold on earth the authority of our lord jesus christ who said to us in the person of saint peter whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven do hereby declare the above-named prince who has rendered himself unworthy of the honours of sovereignty for his crimes to be deposed from his throne by god to be bound by his sins and cast off by the lord and to be deprived of all his honours and we do hereby sentence and deprive him and all who are in any way bound to him by an oath of allegiance we for ever absolve and release from that oath and by the apostolic authority strictly forbid any one from obeying him or in any way whatever attempting to obey him as an emperor or king and we decree that any one who shall from henceforth give him assistance or advice or show favour to him as an emperor or king shall by so doing be excommunicated and those in the empire on whom devolves the election of an emperor may freely elect a successor with respect to the kingdom of sicily we with the advice of our cardinals will make such provision as may seem expedient unto us the assembly sat silent and stricken with awe the imperial envoys groaned aloud and beat their breasts o day of wrath of tribulation and of agony cried thaddeus now will the heretics rejoice, the Charismians prevail, the foul Tartars pursue their devastations. I have done my part, said Innocent. God must do the rest. He chanted the first line of the hymn, We praise thee, O God. Quiveringly at first, then exultantly, the enemies of the emperor lifted up their voices in his wake. The hymn ended, and the pope and the cardinals beat out their torches on the ground. As the last flame died out, he uttered his final malediction. So be the glory and the fortune of the emperor extinguished upon the earth. End of section 28